Hello and welcome to the Veterans Assembly Hall. I'm your host, Mike Peasley. Tonight we're speaking with Tom Maddox. He's a hypnotist that owns a veterans-owned business in Drake, Massachusetts. Welcome back. We're on the Veterans Assembly Hall. Tom, uh, appreciate you coming in. I was um, glad to be here. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you. Uh, I, we had I just gone to one of your shows recently, and after the show, I grabbed you and I said, "I got to have you on the Veterans Assembly Hall. I got to have you on our broadcast." And I appreciate you coming in today. Yeah, it was good. I appreciate. It. I'm glad you stopped me, and I, I love doing this kind of stuff. It's great talking about hypnosis and helping out veterans as well. So awesome. So you are a veteran yourself. First of all, why don't you introduce yourself and uh, and your practice and all that? So I'm I'm Tom Maddox. I was in the Navy for about eight years, uh, from like '95 to '03. Um, served on a couple of different destroyers, destroyer and a cruiser, and uh, you know got out, got a job as an engineer, and then started doing the hypnosis thing a couple of years ago. And uh, that's a bit of a left turn, though. Isn't it, it is. It is. That's what people <laughs> always say. How's an engineer coming yeah, in? That's so exactly. I love that one. So I was on a destroyer. I'm an engineer, and then oh by the way, I'm right, in hypnosis exactly. these days. <laughs> yeah. Love yeah. it. Um, well, that doesn't, you know, hey, it's great to have like a well-rounded thing. And um, I don't know if I would, would you call it a hobby or is it becoming a profession? Is it becoming more than you expected it was going to be? It, it's becoming more than I, it's becoming as much as I wanted it to be. I, I'll say it that That's way. Well, um, when I started out doing it, like I said, a couple of years ago, of course, there's some training and things like that that I you know went through and then started, um, you know, I have an office set up over in Drake in Massachusetts and um, started looking into getting clients for, you know, quitting smoking and weight loss, that kind of stuff. Um, because it's not my primary job, marketing all that was very difficult. And so, yeah. um, so then, I, then I took a class and looking at the comedy stage hypnosis stuff, which is a lot of fun. Everybody has a good time doing that. And it's a little bit easier to uh, to get, you know, jobs doing that because you can help out schools and churches. Sure. And, and we're going to talk about that because I think right, that's yeah. cool um, what you're doing with that, like the after uh, prom thing that's on oh, your yeah. website. So we'll get to that. Yeah, um, but yeah. yeah, that's a really cool part of what what you're doing now, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, I really enjoy it. It's a lot of fun. And uh, and I like I said, I, I looked into the hypnotherapy, hypno, hypnotherapy aspects of it. Um, and you can use hypnosis for all sorts of things to help out people um, from, you know, the basics of just relaxation, stress, that sort of thing, mm-hmm. quitting smoking, pain management, uh, weight loss. Those are some of the big, you know, common things that people are looking for. Um, and uh, Self-improvement, know, too? Uh, sure. I mean, this what you mean, I guess, but <laughs> I'm but, looking to have a more uh, outgoing personality. Now that that would be the first time anybody said that <laughs> yeah, to me, right. but, um, could I, I go quiet. to you? you? Maybe I can, maybe, quiet I, you. Yeah, maybe you can dial it back. <laughs> yeah. There might be a few people that listen to this podcast. They're like, that's a great idea. <laughs> Tom, we, before we got on the air, we were talking and, um, is there a process where you get, uh, certified per se or trained? How did you, how do you go about, um, becoming a, a hypnotherapist. So I can tell you how I did it. And um, so I got interested in it back in around 2016. Um, I was reading some books. Uh, a lot of people were talking about Donald Trump and all that. And uh, the persuasion aspect of, of him and selling and business and things like that um, really was becoming, um, it was part of a, a blog that I was reading and how mm-hmm. Um, hypnosis is sort of just a sidestep away from persuasion and marketing. So then, and I'd always sort of been interested in hypnosis from, you know, a, you know, a kid, it's always one of those kind of cool, mysterious, mysterious yeah. sort of things. Um, 
So I started looking into how do you become a hypnotist? And there aren't a lot of classes or courses that you can take around here, at least not that I found. Um, there's a bunch of stuff on YouTube and online and things like that, which is great. And so I started out by just watching a bunch of YouTube videos, getting an idea of, is it something that I think I could do? And, and of course it, it was, I thought these, it, I could do are these YouTube videos. They like the do it yourself things like, uh, Not, is it in that same category? It's more it, like, it's more like, here's a video of me hypnotizing some people. And then, uh, and there's a couple well-known guys that, uh, I'd read a couple of their books already and things like that. Sure. And so I started watching it more of the, from the idea of, uh, how, you know, what is the process? And then, um, seeing what they were saying on how you go about getting certified or trained. And so, okay. um, so I ended up taking a course and I did take the course online. The drawback to taking it online is that you don't have anybody to practice with, but you know, if we're, if you're in a classroom, you can use other people in the class. Right, so right. I had to use, you know, friends, family, that sort of thing. And we were just talking to some of your family. I said, I equated it to being like the magician to have always having the side assistant that you're sorry in right, half. That was right. essentially you, right? Exactly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I started out making relaxation recordings for people and uh, didn't know that they didn't know they were being hypnotized, but it just, you know, the idea just is to relax them. And, yeah, and no, you start it. out with that as part of the induction. You can only go um, so far when you're watching something, you need to actually try it. I mean, I think that's true of anything, it, oh, right? Definitely right. And yeah. Until you actually go out and try and right. actually do it, it, that's when it critiques. Like, ah, oh, I think I got that right, or I think I got that wrong. Right. Yeah. And, and and watching it's interesting you say that because when I was making the recordings, I was just talking it into a microphone, and then you know the person was listening to it on their own. And so, ideally, when you're hypnotizing someone, you're watching them for their reactions to see what's helping them relax, what's not helping them relax. And then if you're actually trying to help with some some uh, aspect of their life or whatever, you want to know more about that person so you can understand how to relate to them and how what analogies work, that sort of thing. Is each person really different in the way they respond to the hypnosis? So you're digging into your hypnotic toolbox, so to right. speak, and you're like, this might work with me, but it's not working with somebody else? Right. I, I wouldn't, I mean, everybody is different, that's for sure, but um, there's certainly a toolbox, like you said, and there's different things that'll work on, on most people, different things that'll work on some people. Mm-hmm. Um, we're all coming from different places, and we're looking for different uh, different uh, ways that we're being helped, um, but that's definitely true, yeah. And so, and a common question is, you know, well, you know, I went to a hypnotist and I didn't get hypnotized. You can't hypnotize me, that sort of thing. We all get hypnotized one way or another, but whether that hypnotist can tap into it in the hour that you're with him is another story. You know, I had a friend of mine that was with a hypnotist and he was with him for about an hour and a half, almost two hours that it took the hypnotist to get him hypnotized. And it just comes back to their, their trust issues, the person, the clients, sure. their trust issues, how much they can relax, things like that. And, uh, and eventually, you know, you get that rapport and... You know, but it's a matter of whether or not the person really wants to be helped or if they give up. Or, well, know, and, that, and I was going to ask you. So, I mean, it, you, you answered part of it. Everybody can be hypnotized, but yeah. it, you have to be will, a willing participant. Definitely. Yes. Right, yeah. And um, it's really difficult, I think, if somebody were, were resisting that, purposely resisting Oh, it. definitely. I mean, yeah, yeah. You I, know, it, you got to help yourself first, right? Exactly, <laughs> right, yeah. And, and another example, um, people will go to hypnotists to learn to quit smoking, and if you don't Great really, example. if you don't really want to quit smoking, then yeah. it's not going to work for you. But if they you, tell everybody, "Well, I went to the hypnotist. I was I just right, didn't exactly, work. <laughs> right, exactly." You know, yeah, that's not helping you practice at all. So, <laughs> right, right, and and you know, in truth be told, when you're talking to the person about, you know, I've had a few people come up to me, "Oh, can you help me quit smoking?" Mm. Well, sure, and I give them my card. Well, they never call me back. 
sure, I can go and chase them and get their business, but if they're not even going to call me, then clearly they don't really want yeah, to quit. So, so I'm not going to go and take their money and have them, you know, be frustrated. And then they say, oh, it didn't work for me or whatever, you know, so. Yeah, because yeah. you're up against, an, there's an expectation, right? And I Definitely. Think, I think everybody kind of like, there's a lot of TV I don't know if it helps you or hurts you, but it's hypnotizing people on TV has been there forever, right? right yeah. We can think about, we probably can both think of series that we've watched and, um, and sometimes it's helped you. And then sometimes I think it's created this uh, false impression that. Right. It's funny you say the expectation. There's a, there's a, a phrase, I'm going to get it wrong, but basically the ritual to expectation uh, idea. And so if you expect a hypnotist to do certain things, and they do those certain things, then you're gonna you're gonna sort of allow yourself to be hypnotized more easily, um, because we all sort of have this idea from TV and books and whatever else right. of how a hypnotist you know counts backwards from ten and you know waves a watch or yeah, whatever. I ask you, you know, do you have right. a gold watch? That I don't. You I don't. Yeah. Oh, there's something for the Christmas list next year. I did. I did try to look for a stopwatch online, but it's not, they don't sell them very <laughs> they don't often. Sell the exactly. Stopwatch. No, they don't. Well, there's something for you to get into. Right, right. Might be a whole market out there that you haven't even tapped. Exactly into. right. <laughs> Hey, let me ask you, because um, I know I was curious, and I think a lot of people would be, where does hypnosis come from? I mean, I know it's been around forever. Can you give me some context for it? So it, yeah, I'm going back to some of my memory here now, but it was in the 1700s or so that, uh, and I forget his first name, but his last name was Mesmer, and he started out by sort of the beginnings of hypnosis. Now, he was doing some other weird kind of sciencey sort of things with magnets and things like that, but it's the idea... So his the word mesmer, um, his last name, is where we get mesmerized from. Okay. Yeah. Um, so he was the beginning of it, uh, or at least the beginning of the modern hypnosis, I'll say that. It's, it's probably been around for, you know, centuries before that. Um, and then, uh, you know, in the late 1800s, there was a little bit, you know, a few more people started to do a little bit more with it as science became a little more uh, popular, I guess, for lack of a better word. And then it really came into uh, its common use and popularity with uh, with Milton Erickson. He's sort of the the father of modern hypnosis. Uh, he's a really remarkable guy, and um, basically he was very effective in uh, helping people with all sorts. He was a, he was first of all a psychologist, so he's okay. got an incredible you know, medical background to begin with, and then he's using hypnosis on top of that. And he, so so he sort of documented, and people who studied him documented a lot of things, his techniques and and tools. And so he would be using it more in, in like a clinical setting, though. Oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Definitely. Yeah. Um, and it, it, I mean, is this recently too? It, is are we there, talking there more are recent few, times? There, I'm trying to think. He so he passed away in like the 80s, I guess it was. Okay. So there are some videos of him with people that are like in the 50s or 60s. You know, kind of grainy videos on YouTube, sort of thing. But um, it's more like what you would expect. And and you know, he, I'm trying to think. In the videos, he's helping people with um, sort of regular sort of issues. But you know, he can. He's clearly, you know, hypnotizing the guy and he feels, you know, it get the room gets hotter even though it's just a regular room, you know, and the guy starts sweating, you know, that sort of thing. Right. Um, and that's and um, that's the power of suggestion, right? That's oh, definitely, be, And right. that's part of what hypnosis does. It, right. You're able to plant something into somebody's mind. I'm not saying that the right way. But right. I, I can tell you. by your face, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, you know, you, you say I'll it say, better than me. I'll say you're leading them to, to yeah, think or feel a certain way. Yeah, planting. <laughs> yeah, right. Everybody, now everybody's running scared. They're all like, oh, right. I'm not getting anywhere near him, you know. Um, can you get stuck in a hypnotic state, or is that – something that can happen so so in my in my stage routine i explained that you can't get stuck in hypnosis you never could 
Um, and the best way to give that example, in hypnosis, although you appear to be very, very relaxed, you're really concentrating very intently on, on the hypnotist, me, and the things I'm saying. So being stuck in hypnosis is like studying too hard for a test. At some point, you're just going to be tired and fatigued and you'll break your concentration. Something will break your concentration or you'll fall asleep or something like that. So you can't get stuck. And that's a complete disconnect when that happens. Exactly. So if I go to one of your shows, there's no chance that I see you at the supermarket and you say that magic word and I suddenly start walking like a duck or something in aisle three, right? That's not going to happen? Not exactly. So, So I wouldn't say that's stuck in hypnosis. In that example, you're reacting to a post-hypnotic suggestion, and those are very real. Um, and you know, we we talked a little bit about anchoring, and that's mm-hmm. that's an example um, that a lot of people, athletes, tend to will tend to use anchoring, um, or I think uh, for self-help, if you want to have um, say you're getting ready to give a speech and you're nervous, there are way there are tools that you can use that you know, through anchoring that will help you achieve some. Um, mental state that you need in order to perform, you know, whether you're running a marathon or, or getting ready to give a speech in your stage fright or something like that. So, so reacting to a post-hypnotic suggestion is not really getting stuck in hypnosis. But that anchoring is something that you're using to develop, um, to make a positive change, right? Correct. So, and you're giving right. them that as a tool that after they leave, exactly. they can use that to, to bring themselves back to that place. Exactly. Is that, am I saying exactly. that correctly? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, a lot of times I'll actually end the show with something like that. When I do shows for uh, high schools, I'll t- tend to end with something like that so that they can, you know, maybe do better on tests or things like that. So, yeah. That's great. I mean, so, and that's that's where it really has a value in your everyday right. life. I mean, definitely. I mean, we're, we're kidding around, and, and, you know, you do a comic comedy show as part of your uh, routine, and we're just having some fun with it. But there are a lot of real legitimate uses that are emerging within hype hypnosis right definitely right we call it a clinical uh hypnosis clinical hypnosis um hypnotherapy is the other term um some people don't like the word therapy depending on you know what they're you know what they're looking for in themselves but but it really is a way to you know like you said self-help self-improvement that sort of thing um and there's a wide range of things that that hypnosis can be effective for um a lot of people are familiar with like yoga and meditation and if you've ever done uh, either of those things, and then you go see a hypnotist, you'll see a lot of similarity in the things that are, the words that are used, the phraseology, um, the breathing techniques, things like that. Um, so there's, you know, it's it's something that we all sort of have experienced. We mm-hmm. just don't realize it or call it hypnosis, really. Yeah, and I think you and I talked about that when I first met you. We were talking about the the liaison between or the familiarity with like yoga setting right and then what i had seen you do during the show right um there was some real common threads there definitely there? right yeah yeah and they yeah. probably both use them the same way would you characterize hypnosis as a science it definitely has, has some scientific uh aspects um and there's been a lot of study in it because of especially as we learn more ways to study the brain and understanding what's happening in a person's brain, the brain waves and things like that. Um, so there's definitely some science in it. Um, there's a little bit of art in getting someone hypnotized. Um, and as I mentioned previously, a lot of uh, psychiatrists, psychologists do use it as one of the tools in their bag. So um, it, it kind of, again, doing the comedy stuff is obviously not science, but hypnosis itself bridges between science and art. But you know what the comedy does, Tom, is it brings it out into an environment where you can be introduced to it. Exactly. Right? Right. And, and I mean, I'm case in point, right? And so it, it was an entertaining evening. We'll talk about that in a minute. And um, 
it was a lot of fun, and it was a real pleasure to meet you. And but it, it really introduced me, to, got me thinking about ways that that could be used, right. and that, probably not inventing anything that hasn't already been visited. You know, right? Um, we were um, going over some of our program notes before we started, and one of the things I had pulled out when I was doing the research was Psychology Today article uh, was published in January of 2013 that recognized hypnosis as a genuine uh, psychological phenomenon with a valid clinical practice. Um, I mean, that that's a pretty big uh, endorsement from, uh, uh, you know, a, a periodical that it's an industry periodical. Exactly know? right. Now, now again, I'm, I'm not a psychologist, but a lot of psychologists, psychiatrists do use it as a, as a, a, a technique to help their clients. Um, they, you know, as a, you know, a lot of comedy hypnotists do the comedy hypnosis just to expose people to it, as you mentioned, so that they can, uh, show people what the value you know, show that it has value and, and that it is effective to do you know obviously funny things at that setting but uh, in an office setting you can do all sorts of other things um, do you think that does the comedy show undermine uh, the clinical aspect of it at all or do you think it enhances it so I think it enhances it but it's a, it's a good question because I'm actually reading a book by a clinical hypno, hypnotist and he has a couple paragraphs in there where he sort of disparages the comedy aspects of it because he feels like that takes away from the clinical aspects because then people will think it's all just a, a joke and all that. I could see that argument. Right, right. So, um, so it, it's kind of I see it as two sides of the coin. It depends on you know how you how you're approaching it. It definitely exposes people. The comedy exposes people to it who may not have seen it otherwise, um, and. A responsible hypnotist, as I hope I am in my shows, <laughs> points out that you can use it in a clinical setting for a lot of great things. And that, yeah, yeah, we're there to have a good time and all that, but there's really some benefit and, and reality to hypnosis. Do you find as you go along that you, um, I don't want to use the term craft, but your your ability to to do what you do, do you find that as you go along it, it becomes better and better and better? Do you see a big difference between when you started doing it to where you are now? Yes, and like like anything, the more you do it, the better you get. That's um, my follow-on question. So, is it exposure and experience that really adds that credibility? So, um, I'm assuming you're asking about the hypnotist's ability, but let me let me also say that the person who is being hypnotized that is also something that you can learn. And um, oh, that's a great point. I know I was talking about you, but that that's a great point. And so, and it's something that. Um, you may go and see a hypnotist or you may hear recordings or something like that that you can you can buy recordings for like 10 bucks or whatever or watch YouTube videos and you may not feel anything that first or second time but if you're really interested and you want to find the benefits of it it's it's all a matter of calming your mind relaxing um having some trust in the hypnotist and and or in yourself maybe mm-hmm. to just let yourself go a little bit so um so me as the hypnotist you know, definitely I've improved, you know, over the time I've been practicing, a lot of that comes from watching people's reactions to what I'm doing. So um, they call them, you know, your micro muscle movements, basically. So as I'm talking to someone, hypnotizing them, they'll react in very subtle ways that they may not even be aware of, but I can see it and tell whether or not they're, you know, being hypnotized or not. And if they're not, then I'll try a different approach. Until we find the one that works for them. That kind of goes back to my question about whether it's a science. It, it, you, it is because you're learning 
the the intricacies of a personality and the people when they're being receptive to right. it and when they're not you're reading that yes and that's yeah. not something i would imagine the very first show you're reading very well and over time you've gotten much much better at right. doing it right exactly without and putting words in your mouth no <laughs> yeah no you're right and uh and that's that's certainly true with the clinical work as well in an office that um you know you may go and see a hypnotist the first time and the first meeting in the office it may just be sort of an introductory of, you know, here, we'll go through the induction, you'll relax, we'll get to know each other a little bit. And then, you know, the second time you go back and actually have some, you know, something uh, meaningful done, you know, whether you're going to you know quit smoking or stress relief or whatever, you know, but, but there's some trust and rapport that needs to be built there too. And um, again, before we started recording, we were talking about in this, in a clinical environment, it may be helpful. You might find yourself working collaboratively with, um, some other discipline, like a a therapist or even a primary care physician or whatever. Right. Right. Um, And so would you normally get a referral from another party or would you uh, get your clients directly by marketing yourself? Uh, Either way. And it depends on what they're looking for help with. Mm -hmm. Um, As we mentioned, um, so people have come to me asking about PTSD and, and some of the things uh, I think a responsible hypnotist should ask the person is, are they already seeing some sort of therapist already? Because um, we certainly don't want to do anything that would be adverse to the the treatment they're already getting. Um, A lot of hypnotists, clinical hypnotists and um, psychologists do work together and have referral bases because there are things that a hypnotist has no business trying to do. And there are things that uh, a psychologist recognizes that the person can maybe save some money or time by going to see a hypnotist to work through rather than, you know, sitting in a couch, you know, with the like, psychologist for a while. So. There actually is a couch in the other room. Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> no, <you're right. laughs> um, no, that's a great, I mean, that's really just harnessing that synergy, right? And exactly. So yeah. what, what your strength and value is working together with somebody else right. um, to, to bring them to a healthy spot in Correct. life. Correct, right. Yeah. And, and we started out by introducing you, as, you know, it's a veteran-owned business. You're a veteran of um, Naval Service. I'm a veteran. And so let me bring the clinical, while we're on this topic, back to the veterans, because that's how you and I actually connected and right. got talking about this, is um, how I wanted to know how is hip, hypnosis being used, if at all, to help uh, veterans because um, something that we talk about, not just here on the podcast, but in, I'm very active in the community is all the, this whole community of veterans that are coming back. And there's, you know, people have issues, whether it's combat stress or it's just, you know, reintegration into my life. And it's creating a lot of, that alone is creating a lot of stress. Right. Um, do you know of ways um, that, that hypnosis is being used uh, in lieu of traditional, would it be considered an alternate therapy? I, I would probably call it an alternate therapy I would too, for, yeah. for one reason. It's not often accepted by insurance, unfortunately. However, um, there are, and you hit on a few already, there are a lot of things that a hypnos- hypnos- hypnosis can help with. Um, stress, anxiety, um, sleep, um, just general sort of quieting our minds Uh, and i love that term because i was just about to say i can tell you the one thing i remember every time i came back from deployment was quieting my mind you know like you're running at 110 knots right Right. and then you come back to life in in this world and it just doesn't move the same right your mind's still racing it and it just that whole getting back into the family was just about getting calm again you know exactly yeah and that that's huge i mean that's what you're talking about right right? exactly yeah yeah and there's a lot of things that that a person can do 
again, there are tools that hypnotists can help a person with that then they can use on their own. So don't think you need to go and see a hypnotist every time you, you know, feel anxious. Um, you get those tools and then you can apply them whenever you need them, whether it's through, you know, some anchoring technique like you mentioned, or um, just, you know, go and find some quiet space and, and relax for, you know, five or 10 minutes or 30 minutes, whatever it takes. And it just, you know, over some time, your mind will you know, sort of acclimate back to, you know, the civilian life and, and things are going on. But And you were talking about you made some tapes for some friends. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be a perfect scenario where I've met with you a couple of times. I have a tape. I, I feel like, hey, I just need to go sit in the park for a little while and listen to exactly. go through that, that pacing and right. kind of get myself calm again and then go on. Exactly. Right. And um, yeah, yeah. it makes it so much better. I thought it was really interesting. Um, I, I thought it was huge. I was doing some research before we got on the air. And the fact that the VA has actually published a flyer that they call Whole Health Information for Veterans, hypo, no th- hypo I'm going to say this wrong. It's hypnotic therapy. Yeah. That's not what they wrote here. But hypnotherapy. That's, hypnotherapy. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah. So they, I mean, the VA published a, in a, a flyer just recently, and uh, and it's about a two or three page flyer that talks about what, what it is, how it can help you, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, it's interesting that the insurance companies still don't uh, recognize that, though. That's yeah. sad. But And, and I'm, I'm being a little general there. Um and again, it depends on how your you know everybody's insurance is set up and things like that. But um, as you you know, going back to your question, is it science? As it gains some more mainstream you know awareness, um, that may change. And and maybe it does change as your therapist refers you to a, a hypnotist, right. you know, that sort of thing as well. So, and, and I think that's a sign of the changing, right? Exactly. Because right. the other thing that we talked about, and I'm just going to read this to you and let you respond to it. So it was from a, uh, a medical journal for psychotherapy and um, it was talking about the use of hypnosis in the military. It was published in 1992. So that was right on the tail end of the Gulf War. Right. And when all of those veterans were coming back in, I'm sure that was... Uh, you know, predicated a lot of it. But what he, what he said was, this is just the abstract, okay? It says, the author concludes that combat trauma enhances hypoth- hypnotic, hypnotic potential in some veterans and that veterans with excellent hypnotic potential begin to problem-solve better for a healthier post-war transition. Um, I mean, I think that's right what we were just talking about. When I, when I came back in post-war transition, just coming back from one environment to another right. and trying to calm my mind right. and maybe hypnosis. I'm, I'm interpreting, right. but yeah. would, you, would you take that to be, read the same way? I, I would, right. And, of course, and it sort of hits on it there. You know, it's each person is different, and um, it can definitely help some people. It may not help everyone. But um, the more tools that we have to help the veterans that are coming back from these, you know, these wars, these deployments, you know, being away from, you know, what we consider regular life, right. um, you know, it's important that we help them acclimate and, and, you know, calm their minds from worrying about whether they're going to be, you know, you know, hurt in one second or, you know, going to the supermarket, you know. It's the intensity of being in that environment, though, Tom, because um, we were earlier recording another podcast with Matt Elkins from the Greater Lowell Veterans Council, and one of the things I said to Matt was, it frustrates me because there's a perception that unless you went into an environment where you're being shot at constantly, you're not going to come back with those, to overcome those same stresses, and that's not true. The person that's at the... um, 
in the building tent or is in the you know is doing the personnel work and they're downrange and separated from their family and there's a lot of stress the yeah. you know the washing machine is failing and the dog is barking and you know you, the stress at home is stress when you're not there trying you know right. what I mean so I do, I do yeah and so I think all of those same people come back and have the same experience and having um, some type of alternative to drugs or you know anything like that this is so much better in my mind than going and get a prescription yeah and and again there's a there's a place for for prescriptions and things like that but um especially you know with when we look at opioid epidemics and things like that i'm going with it yep um you know it's easy to let those things be abused or or maybe a i don't say a crutch but it's it's easier to take a pill than than other things i guess um yeah, and we don't well, we want all, to. De- I know I don't want I, to take you down that deep dive right. on that, but you know, and and a lot of us, you know, we may not, we may be reluctant to even see a psychiatrist or psychologist because there's a stigma with it, oftentimes. And and as I mentioned, the word therapy, you know, we call it hypnotherapy, and some people just don't even want to, you know, do that. And so um, maybe seeing a hypnotist is a step that they can take that can help them. Um, maybe it opens their doors up that once they see a hypnotist, they can see another therapist or go the other way. They're, That's a great you know. point, Tom, because and so then the the other hurdle that always comes up when you talk about therapy is I don't want to get diagnosed for thinning because it might affect my job. It might yep. affect this in my life. Right. This may be a venue where there's no, none of that negative repercussion then. Right. Because That's I mean, point. it's not discoverable. Right. So I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, so you're, it's not yeah. like you're go to you get right. a diagnosis, you go to a therapy. Right. Uh, you, that's on a matter of record. Right, you know, yeah. here I'm just going self help. I'm yeah. just working on some stuff with you. Right. And it's a great avenue. I didn't even think of that. That's yeah. Really- yeah. And and again, you know, helping yourself is it's that's the best way. If you if you want to be helped, if you want to help yourself, um, that's the first step. And there are a lot of opportunities. And it goes back to your comments about um, mixing. Uh, whether it be hypnosis with, you know, something more clinical uh, or something that uh, uh, like another type of doctor can help you with, you know, just a whole being, you know, looking at at the whole process, you know, all the things going on, not just in your mind, but um, how the other stresses and anxieties might be affecting you and pain management. There's, there's a whole wide world of things that are, that could be affecting you and causing those traumas and stresses and uh, addressing them maybe individually or, or all together might be the solution. Yeah. I, I, I think the mind is a very powerful tool. And, Definitely. Um, yeah. That's, that's really good stuff. Um, before I talk about your, your uh, show and what you do day in and day out, so to speak, uh, I did want to talk about, uh, ask you a couple of questions about the forensic use of mm-hmm. hypnosis. Um, I mean, we've all seen it on TV, right? Um, probably that doesn't, that doesn't really portray it the way it actually occurs. Um, it's probably a lot more discipline, but, um, it is used right in, in hypnosis is used in that forensic ability to, uh, to when they interview people. It, it is. And as a matter of fact, when I first started fi- learning about forensic hypnosis, I, I thought that it was not used at all for all the reasons that I think we can imagine that you're going to put false memories in their person or, or get them to say or think things that didn't really happen kind of the way we do on a, in a comedy show. But right. Um, much like any interrogation is, again, we watch in other TV shows, you know, if you have a bad cop in there interrogating the witness, you know, he can get them to confess to things they didn't really do or it, just asking the questions in the wrong way can get them to say things that weren't accurate or 
leads them to think something that they wouldn't have normally thought on their own. Is so, it possible for you to put false memories in through hypnotic uh, interrogation, I guess? it's. I'll say, yes, it's possible. However, um, the people who are trained and certified in forensic hypnosis, um, they get the same sort of training that the police officers get in how they do their interrogations or the detectives, I guess. Sure. And um, so, um, yes, it is possible in, in that um, you can you can sort of put some memories in someone's head that may not have been accurate. Now, I'm not going to make something up completely, but if right, you see yeah. a car accident, and I ask, and I we you know, and I hypnotize you, and to describe that that car accident, I can certainly lead you to have some memories that may not have been accurate. Um, but again, that's true with with a. So uh, there's a very specific process then if you're doing this kind of thing that you'd have to adhere definitely. to. Just like you said, just like if I'm interviewing you in, outside of hypnosis, right? Exactly, right. Even so, I'll give you a little. For instance, I was um, when I was studying this. If you watch two people that are talking and maybe they're having a discussion or or an interrog- you know, interrogation sort of thing, if you're looking at one person versus the other person, uh, meaning you're behind one person looking at them or or the um, from the other side, you get a different view of of you get a different impression of the interrogation because of the body language. And that's a big part of, of hypnosis, as I mentioned, when you're doing the hypnosis, as well as how you read someone's responses. So um, there's a, there's definitely a, a science and, and you know, training. That's an interesting. So do they needed. do tests on that? Like they have people view an interrogation from behind and then from Exactly, from right. So, so, so think about this. Test Next groups, time right? you're you know, maybe on a jury and you're watching some interrogation, yeah. you know, pay attention to how you feel about each person because you might feel that the cop was, you know, asking, you know, being too hard on the witness or maybe the witness was being too hard on the cop, you know, and it all comes from the way they're sitting, the way you're viewing their faces, all sorts of well, little now, things now like that. you make that, me very yeah. self-conscious. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so in hypnosis, you can, you can definitely lead, you know, put, you know, you can lead their thoughts and, sure. and things like that. So, but there's, there's, it all goes into the interrogation aspects itself. That's really what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. And when you do relax someone's mind through an induction and then the questions that follow that, you're really trying to pull out the memories that they have uh, without embellishing or adding to them. Um, it's all certainly done, you know, on cameras with, you know, lawyers and all that kind of stuff as sure. well. Yeah. So, it, Is it like a truth serum? Is it like – do people – are people more truthful in that environment or can they still be as guarded as they are when they're consciously talking to you? They, so they can be, they, I would, I would assume they can be as guarded as they, is it like a truth serum? Um, I think that really yeah. comes down to the person I guess I didn't as well. Say right, but you know what I mean, right? Like their inhib- inhib- inhibitions right. are suppressed. So they're a little bit more truthful than they would be. That's that's likely true. However, they also may be inclined to embellish things, and you can read up on a lot of things. Um, I'll give you. I'll just throw out um, past life regression is something that hypnosis has connections to, and I'll, I'll let the listeners look that up. But <laughs> myself uh, included, I'll be googling that. When but you leave. <laughs> it, 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 I think there's some embellishment that goes on in that area um, as we as we you know remember back to earlier in our life and things like that. But um, it, it's sort of the way you know your parents tell you a story and you remember it, and then they hear it again, and you sort of build these these other extra pieces around the story that your parents may have told you, and now you have this whole 
image in your mind of how something happened when you were five, which sure. may not have been accurate. Yeah, we and we were saying like divergence. We could both have experienced the same thing and not have talked about it for fifty years. And right. over those fifty years, we've kind of like replayed it a little differently. You know, right, right. I was a great baseball player in my younger days. <laughs> <by> the way, <laughs> not really, but now that I tell, I somebody had said, "Boy, you've got a lot of good stories. I think I get better every time I tell exactly them." Exactly <laughs> right. So I'm guilty. Yeah. <laughs> Let's um let's get out of the heavy stuff then and um and let's talk about what you, what you do with the comedy show because I just recently was at your comedy show that you did at the Drake at American Legion we thank you for that I understand that was to raise money for um, right. for veterans that particular a lot of what you do is um, related to fundraising or is it um, how would you characterize it I I certainly um, target fundraising because it's such a fun and easy way for people to raise a lot of money than selling cookies or calendars or whatever else you know. Um, and, uh, you know, whether it be schools or, or some, you know, the Elks or the Moose or veterans associations, mm-hmm. things like that. Um, so that's, that's generally, you know, fundraising, it's a great, great idea, you know, sell some tickets, you know, have some order, you know, re- you know, appetizers, that sort of thing. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I, I, I worked with, uh, with Sarah at the American Legion a year ago and, and did it again this year and coming and, back next year. I hope so. It was. It's a lot of fun. The the people were great. I so. was amazed. One of the th- so I'm looking at your webpage, right? And the statement that really jumped out at me after having been to your show is um, volunteers become stars of the show. You and your friends become stars. I was amazed at the number of people that raised their hand. I mean, I I was convinced you were going to have three chairs up there, and you were going to have two that were empty. You know, and you had like 15, and you had to bring more chairs up. It, is that typically the response you get at a show? It depends on who goes. So if you had been here last year, <laughs> was there only three chairs? Was, so uh, <laughs> I was trying to remember how many chairs I had, and, and it was. I think I ended up with about five or six people that were hypnotized last year after getting about 15 or so volunteers. And and, and you filter them out. So the people that haven't been to your show, you, you tap them. It's like Survivor up there. You're like, yeah, you tap them on the show. Yeah, you're out. Right? And, and some people, I mean, I know it as well as they do, that they're just not quite feeling yeah. it. And like I said, there's a lot of distractions, especially at a at a big venue hall like that, you know, and things going on. Um, but uh, but right, yeah, you know, so some people will just, you know, they won't be hypnotized, and so you send them back, and That's they enjoy fine. the show from the audience, right? Right. Um, and then you get some people. There's there's a woman I I forget her name, but she was in the show last year. She was in this year. She told me that when she was a teenager, her friend's father was a hypnotist, and so he would work with them. So again, like I mentioned, you get better and better at being hypnotized the more you practice it. Sure. And, you know, it's like meditation, like I said. So. Um, do you bring these ringers to the audience on purpose? Or- <laughs> no, no. Right. And, and when she, last year, she was, she was, she was a true star of the show last year. So I was really happy. I to think I know who year. you're talking about. Yeah. I'm picturing one woman that was, yeah. it was very entertaining. Yeah. That's good though, but, because they're having fun doing it. Right. right and, right. um, like we talked about at the beginning, they're not doing anything. You never, would never make them do anything that would, you know, violate their, their moral code, so to speak. Right. So it's a lot of fun for the audience. It's a, I think it's a lot of fun for the people that are right. there. And you know, you said, I, I wouldn't make them do anything that violate their moral code. Even if I try, they won't. And, and I'll give you a, for instance, there, I was at a show and the hypnotist was, um, you know, part of the skit was to give them a cigarette, take a drag off the cigarette. And it's not lit, it's fake, you know, and yeah. I, I think even it wasn't even a real cigarette at all. It's just a, just a gesture. And the first three people in the line sort of, you know, no, I don't smoke. And that was it. I mean, he ended the bit right there because nobody smoked. And so they weren't going to sort of, you know, 
behave that way. You yeah, know? yeah, it wasn't something. Uh, it wasn't were something they were inclined to do. to do, right? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, you definitely won't do anything you're not normally. Which, you know, goes back to again what we've seen in movies and things like that. You know? <laughs> I know that sometimes I think that the YouTube, the movies, they kind of help you, they hurt you, you know, they create right, this yeah. illusion that it's yeah. just not true. But the mystery true. is really the fun part of the movies sure and is. all that. Yeah. yeah so everyone's sort of wonder, you know, what's it, what's it going to happen? How's it work? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. You do them for schools and after prom type things at high schools. How does that work? Because that's a great idea. I never thought of anything like that. So, so teenagers, for a lot of reasons, are very easy to hypnotize. They, first of all, they you can't you have to chase them away from the stage. They all want to volunteer. <laughs> um, but um, I, I sort of mentioned it a little bit earlier. The ego and the trust aspect are a big part of how effective hypnosis can be. Mm-hmm. And we all sort of, like you mentioned, are a little guarded, especially when the idea of someone's going to, we're sort of turning, we think we're turning over control of our mind to this stranger, essentially, um, which really isn't the case, but that's how we sort of perceive hypnosis. Sure. Yeah. Um, so as, as we become adults, um, we're maybe a little more nervous, you know, not as inclined to relax as much as we need to. And, and uh, teenagers, whether at high school or college, they are, you know, they have pretty much no inhibitions. <laughs> so they just, you know, anything goes sort of thing. Um, which, you know, you can have a little more fun with them too. I yeah, would think. Yeah. 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 They're not as, they're not as easy to embarrass and that sort of thing. <laughs> exactly. So, right. Um, no, but that's a great idea. Nonprofits, uh, after prom events, schools, clubs. And then this one was kind of interesting for businesses, um, you wrote uh, team building experiences. So right. how would you use it in a business setting? Because that's a, another great idea I hadn't really thought of. So, and there's a couple ways you can do, um, it depends on what you're looking for, I guess, in a, in a, we call it a corporate setting. Um, you know, you can come in and get some conference room and have some people um, that are, you know, willing to be, uh, be uh, you know, um, hypnotized. And, uh you know, you don't do a lot of the comedy stuff, but you can demonstrate some of the hypnotic characteristics in that sort of a setting. And first of all, just the experience of, you know, 20, 30, 40 people going through that sort of makes, you know, it's kind of water cooler talk the next day. Sure, yeah. So in that sense, it's, it builds the team. Um, but there are also ways that you can demonstrate the the powers of the mind, as you mentioned earlier, and how powerful it is um, and how you can, you know, build self-confidence and, and, and things like that that can be used uh, whether you're talking to a, uh, when you're a salesman if you need to talk to clients mm-hmm. or um, maybe help with memories things like that there, can there, I use it to build up my confidence um, it, to do something I mean seriously like it, it's something that I could yes yeah I thought you were joking because no, you, no. <laughs> you don't seem to need that but <laughs> but uh, but definitely yeah and, oh, but I mean if you're in a business setting you may have some a sales force right right and you want them to be a little more confident in the way they address people I would think right yeah yeah, exactly. Good. Yeah. All self-improvement, like we were talking exactly. about at the right. beginning. Yep, yeah. It, it, I think I saw that on an episode of The Office one time. <laughs> it ended very differently. Yeah, though. I'm sure it did. <laughs> What's the typical length of a show? Is there a standard show that you do, or is it um, kind of tailored to the audience? So I, I sort of aim for about an hour, hour and a half, and that includes, you know, the, the induction part, which is, you know, and the pre-talk, which is, you know, 10 minutes or so at the beginning of it. Going beyond an hour and a half, it becomes very fatiguing for the people who are in the show because, as I mentioned, it's very detailed or in-depth concentration on me and and the words I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it surprises me almost every time how much people are concentrating on the things I say, and you know, I might give in the show. I might give a word that you know when you hear this word, you'll 
you know, I'll, example, bark like a dog, you know, something like that. And I'll forget that I've given that instruction. <laughs> 15 minutes go by, I'm doing something else. I'll say that word and, and the person barks, you know, and I, and I'm like, wow, you know, oh yeah, I, I told them that 15 minutes ago and they're hanging on every word I say waiting for me to say it. Right. Exactly. Where yeah. most of us, if we weren't hypnotized, we would forget, we would think about something else. Our minds would wander, things like that. So, um, so that's to me the the convincers of you know how effective and how hip people actually are hypnotized. Do you find yourself very fatigued at the end? Because I think there's a lot of concentration on your part while you're doing this, right? It, yeah, it's a pretty good it's, workout. Yeah, it's it's like <laughs> like any sort of uh, you know entertainment of whether if you're in a band or something like that. You know, it's it's fun, but you're you know a little exhausted when it's over. Yeah, you know? you're ready to you're ready to go home. Yeah. <laughs> go yeah. How often are you doing these? As often as I can. Yeah. <laughs> so, sure. yeah, I, I've, so a friend of mine, uh, he's handed me a bunch of shows recently. Um, and so I've been doing some, uh, um, fundraisers, you know, sports, t- you know, like, um, sports boosters, you know, the high schools sure. and that kind of stuff. You travel and, a lot to do them too, or are they mostly in the local area? I've traveled as much as like an hour and a half, I guess, so far, which, you know, if you call that travel or not, That's certainly. A investment is three hours. Every right. Time. Exactly. Right. Um, and if I wanted to travel more then you get, you know, you can get agents and things like that that can help you do other shows. Um, it's right now it's keeping me as busy as I want to be yeah, perfect. and, and that's a lot of fun. So, um, you know, I'm not adverse to traveling, but you know, there's usually somebody, another hypnotist that's closer that, you know, might be easier for you. And of course, the more you have to travel, you know, the cost goes up a little bit more as sure. well. So yeah. And that's ex- to be expected, I think. Yeah. Right? yeah. So um, I'm going to put all this in the show notes. I'm going to put all your information in that. But if you want to just put it on the podcast, how would somebody get in touch with you to schedule a show? So the easiest way is probably on Facebook. Um, I think it's uh, Tom Hypnomatics. Or I, have to look, I have to check. I, but uh, we can put it in, in like, yeah, say, I'll put in the link podcast. in there. In there. Yeah. But if they but, contact <clears throat> you through the Facebook page, like message you. That's probably the easiest way. Yeah, because okay. everybody's on Facebook nowadays. Yeah, I, I do have a website far. that's that's maddoxhypnosis.com. Um, it was originally geared towards some of the clinical work, as I mentioned. That's why I, I thought I was going to do a lot more work in that area. Um, I have an office over in Dracut. Um the comedy stuff really seems to be the way that most people are reaching out is the way, just like with you, they, they get the introduction. And then, um, if I can't help them, I can refer them to some of my friends that are in the area. And, uh, um, but, uh, but yeah, anyway, and that's fine. Maddoxhypnosis.com is probably the easiest. It's got the Facebook on there and oh, emails perfect. and all that as well. All yeah. right. And, um, and I would encourage anybody that's really thinking about this to reach out to you and talk to you, get a little more information. Yeah. I, I can detest to it that I was at your show. I enjoyed it. I didn't get hypnotized, <laughs> but uh, that's just not my personality. But yeah. um, uh, I really appreciate you coming in. I know this is out of your personal time to come out to the uh, office. And, it's great. I love doing it. Yeah, I'm glad we, I can we help. love having you. And I'm and I I really do like to talk about the clinical aspects. Although I have I don't do a lot of it personally. It is very important. Um, it's something that I think doesn't get used as much for various reasons. Like I said, we all have our own baggage of. Um, but it's maybe just something we didn't think about of seeing a hypnotist to get some help with some of these things. Um, you know, a lot of times going back to the therapy ideas, we think if we're seeing a, a, a therapist, you're going to go see them, you know, once every other week and you start spending hundreds of dollars and when does it end and all that sort of thing. Exactly. And almost every hypnotist out there plans to only see you for a handful of times and they just equip you with some tools that you can take on your own. Um, so it's sort of more of a short term yeah, thing but, that, but I think that's the real value of it. I because, agree. Oh, I agree. Because it, it gives you something to take away, 
And then right. maybe in the future, if I needed to circle back with you, I could. Definitely. But, um, it's self-improvement, isn't it? Really, yeah. At the end of the day. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It is. So. Well, Tom, thanks again. Um, well, I appreciate it. It's a pleasure. I yeah, love it. It's and great. Uh, look forward maybe to have you on here again. We can kind of see where you're at in the future, you know, if something uh, you feel like that's something you want to do. Yeah. That'd be great. I'd All love right. to. Thanks. Love to help. Great. Thanks for your time. Thank you appreciate very much. It.